living above, above the fray. Uh, I, I read a report just recently, and matter of fact, studying for Sunday's message, and ran into some reports that, that the situation is that America were the loneliest people in the world, Americans. As a matter of fact, here's what I read. I read that 30% or there close to that, 30% of those who are cognizant of who they are have no close friend. I'll describe close friends. Someone that you can tell them anything, you can relate to them, you don't have to worry about them telling what you told them. They are a close friend. They'll stick with you as close as, as a brother or a sister. 30% do not have a close friend. And then here's the other part. 70 or 75% of those that do have a close friend don't like them sometimes. Hello. Wow, what a mess. But here's what I found out. That loneliness, whether you have a close friend or not, that loneliness, here's the adverse effect on the human body. That loneliness adversely affects a person as if you smoke 15 cigarettes a day. 15 cigarettes a day. Unbelievable that it would adversely affect a person. It shortens their life. So here's what it must be important for us to do. To capture, well, what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to not be lonely? What does it mean to have friends and enjoy fellowship and, and relationships? Seems like a paradox. We have more than we've ever had. You see, loneliness involves, I want to share with you, four kinds of emotion. Here it is, and we'll shoot quickly tonight. Desperation. When you're lonely, you're desperate, which means you're helpless and afraid. You don't know what to do, when to do it, etc. There is little trust that's there. Number two, depression. It uh, causes you to be empty and you self-pity through the power of depression. Another is impatient boredom. Bored and angry, of course, and, and takes about that much to just really send you off into orbit. And then the other is self-criticism. When you're lonely, it means that, that you're, uh, you feel ugly and stupid and, and you feel worthless. And if you have someone in your life that tells you that you're beautiful, then my friend, you just latch onto that as much as you can. Well, if the world out there and the culture, and may I suggest to you, this is not just in the culture that's unbelieving culture. This is in the church as well. As a matter of fact, in our text, Peter is preaching to the church. He's preaching and he's giving all of the value information that's there. Now, I know that loneliness is the opposite of happiness. How many of you are happy? May I see your hand? How many of you are happy even though you may not have anything to eat? May I see your hand? How many are happy even if there's a stack of bills on the counter you can't pay? Raise your hand. Amen. How many are happy when your car breaks down? We're losing hands, losing hands in a hurry. Happy. Happy that inward work. You see, loneliness, the opposite of happiness and fulfillment, causes us to lower our self-esteem. It is cyclical, though. Cyclical, being unhappy and being lonely until you, the only person that can, makes a choice out of 
some motivation in your life to say, you know, enough of this. I've cried enough. I've worried enough. I've been filled with angst and anxiety enough. In my mind's eye, I don't see anyone that I really, really, really like. I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but one day in your prayer closet, you decide, I'm going to be motivated, and from this moment forward, I'm going to have a different perspective. Now, you're going to have to have that attitude longer than a couple of weeks. Because behavioral science say that you're going to have to practice that for about six weeks. Six weeks of that perspective. Six weeks of that decision. And doing over and over and over again. And to really help you, say to someone that you know, love, and trust, i.e. your close friend, here's the decision that I've made. And I want you to help me and rein me in when I begin to slip back in the old path. I hope your friend has tough skin. So here we have it. We are the light and we are the salt. And God's Word says a lot about happiness. Peter says in our text, shares the disciplines of a believer while at the same time giving important information to say, hey, you ought to wake up and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. One report I read, I know this doesn't adversely affect any of you. This would include Hallmark. This would include Little House on the Prairie. It says, watching television deepens loneliness. There it is. Quote, if you don't enjoy what you have, what does it say? How could you be happy with more. Does that make sense? Here it is. If you don't enjoy what you have, how can you be happy with more? I love that quote. Go for grace. Say that with me. Go for grace. Grace, grace is important. First Peter 5, 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. It dawned on me the other day for the very first time in my life that there may be a strong possibility that I am older. <laughs> it hit me like a ton of bricks that possibly, not probably, I'm older. So since that dawned on me, I've just been looking for young men to show me a little respect. So far I haven't found any here on the staff that's still with us. But we're working on it. Here's what he says. All of you, that's all of us, clothe yourselves with what? Humility toward whom? One another. Because God opposes the what? The proud but gives grace to whom? To the humble. He gives what? Grace. 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 He gives grace to the humble. In other words, you get more opportunities to fail and get forgiveness, so to speak. Grace to the humble. Well, we ought to go for grace. Because why? Because we need it. I need it. It's a benefit that we receive from God when we choose to conduct ourselves in humility. 
in humility. In humility. We talked last week for just a few moments about those that we know and love who stand and primp in front of the mirror. And I mean, look at all sides. That's not humility. But since then, pride has ceased and humility has risen to the forefront. Can you explain humility? Or is it better that you say, I can explain humility by saying, let me call the name of a person because that person I believe is truly a humble individual. You know what I'm talking about? In humility. Well, we know that the words of our Lord said, as Peter teaches, God opposes the proud. Now let that sink in. It says God is against you if you're proud. Well, we'll describe what proud is. He said, God's against you. I, I don't, a lot of people I prefer to be against me, but not God. Amen? Yeah. Not God. It says, but God gives grace to the humble. Now, here's a question. It's true or false. It is more difficult to be proud than to be humble. True or false? It is more difficult to be proud than to be humble, true or false. <laughs> Thank you. Some of you are gamblers. You said true, false. It's false. You were born proud. born. Not difficult at all. You just let life has its way and you'll blow up like an old toad frog. Proud. Look what we did. The word proud means to be haughty or arrogant, thinking of oneself as more important than anyone else. Now, I wouldn't say that I think of myself more important than, than someone else, but you do when you're proud. By whose standard? Whose standard says that, that I am proud? The educated versus uneducated. Educated person said, I earned my degree. I've got, you know, a master's degree, and I've got, you know, I've got a doctoral, and I did my dissertation, and, and you know, son, you, you barely graduated high school. Or socially adept, the socially awkward Socially adept, if you're socially adept and you've been to all kinds of parties and, and places of high position and you see somebody that comes in and they've never been out of the country in their life. And it's hard to look at that person when you're so socially adept and say, hey, you know, they're just an idiot. Or beautiful versus ugly. You know, most of, uh, most of you know when you're beautiful, don't you think? Hello? Most of you know when you're handsome, don't you think? How many think you know? Oh, don't pull that humility trick on me right now. <laughs> beautiful, ugly. You see how easy it is to be proud? God, I want to thank you 
for not making me look like them. Here's another powerful versus the weak. Do you know what makes you powerful? Position and money. I got position and I got money. And look at, look at, look at him. He works on the back of an asphalt truck. You know, here's another, those who are successful versus those who fail. And you feel that pride, you feel that power. The beauty is when we come into the church, we're not recognized by what we do and who we are. We are recognized as individuals that have been saved by the grace of God. Amen. No big eyes and no little use. The scripture makes it very simple and defines humility. Paul writes in Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Do what? Consider others better than yourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're better than I am. You're better than I am. You're better than I am. Sure, you're better than I am. Here's what he says. Each of you should look not only at your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Well, God, I, I don't know anything. Gracious, alive, here it is. My attitude ought to be the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. I came to serve not to be served. Peter says step one to being happy and to reach God's grace is he said, don't be proud and arrogant. We work on that, catalog that. Don't just accept your own interest. Don't be selfish and don't do anything out of your own self-serving nature. Mother Teresa said it this way, let no one come to you without feeling better and happier when they leave. Some of you have friends as I do. If you're in a conversation with them, it won't be two minutes. And you know they're going to be talking about themselves. They're going to be talking about what they have done. Now, we do get a free pass. Everybody with me? And it's when you talk about your grandkids. All right? You get a free pass with the grandkid thing. We know that. Pursue humility. The heart is happiest when it bears for others. Number two, mind your own business. Turn to somebody. It's free territory to not mind your, tell them, mind your own business. Go ahead, Ronnie. Let me hear you say it. Mind your own business. Anyone ever told you that? Mind your own business. Sharon has told me that. I don't take that well. <laughs> Mind your own business. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your what? Anxiety on him because he what? He cares for you. It's an action. Cast all your worry, cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Luke says this way as Jesus spoke in Luke 12. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? And one of the great challenges we face is stress. And most of stress is self-imposed. He say you can't do anything about what might happen. 
You can't do much about what did happen. It's all in the lap of the Lord. You see, some people lose their happiness because they do not mind their own business. What do you mean by that? Minding your own business simply declares, I choose to be happy and I will protect my happiness. You are not going to steal it from me. You're not going to make me have a bad day. You are not going to come in here and mess me up. I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. I got a letter the other day, a letter the other day that just really raked me up really good. <laughs> and I thought, wow, thank you very much. And then I got a letter today. Renee handed me the mail. She opens the mail and there it is. And I looked and I said, here's another letter. She said, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get around to reading it in the next day or two, but that's a good one. I said, Lord, you got a great sense of humor. A couple of days ago, I got one that was not so good. Sweet people, but not so good. I mean, lovely people, but not so good. But, but then I got a sweet one today. God, God knows how to take care of us, doesn't he? Amen. All right. Worry too much. That'll steal your, we, we, that'll steal your happiness you worry about the kids, you worry about the money, you worry about the house cleaning, you worry about losing your job, you worry about COVID, you worry about something two weeks from now, you worry about the approval of others, you worry about your weight. Talk too much. That'll steal your happiness. You speak before you listen and put your foot in your mouth because you talk too much. You share an opinion without being asked. Some people just want to share a problem. They don't want you to give them the solution. Be careful that you don't give your opinion or your advice before someone asks for it. Is that good enough? That good enough? Sure. You speak out of turn. Try to speak over people. I know some people like that. You gossip about the juicy stuff. You know, you condemn instead of complain. And then we know that, here's one, we eat too much. We eat too much. Say that with me. Y'all eat too much. <laughs> Restaurant I was in today, friends came out. He said, we didn't eat at all. I said, well, that's good. And that happens, you become sluggish and weak and sick, or you sleep too much. How many can get along with about five or six hours of sleep at night? You can get along just fine. Go ahead and get, get them up really high, really high. And so if we kept you here another hour, we'd be into your bedtime, wouldn't we? Amen. There you go. How many of you get up about five or so in the morning? May I see your hand? Five or so. I, I can't see you. Let's see. Five or so and get them up real high. That's good. Older people do that. Older people, they don't want to miss anything for the day. We get an early start on it. Early start. Dan told me tonight, he said, I, I want you to know when I die, I want you to get me a big old mausoleum. I said, we have it ordered. <laughs> Sleep too much. You become apathetic and you fail to be creative. And you let the internet do your thinking for you. 
or you work too much. Anybody ever been accused of working too much? Too much? How many has been accused of working too little? How many has ever accused someone of working too little? I believe that too. What does that mean? You don't know how to play. You need to chill, have something you like, and do it. How do you mind your own business? You do what you can, do it consistently, enthusiastically, using your best ability, and leave it in the balance of the Lord. Someone asked me before church, how was your day? I said, I had a good day. I didn't get anything done that I wanted to do, but it was a good day. You know, there are just some days like that. Amen? But you think because I didn't get anything that I wanted to get done, answering calls and handling other business, I got a little bit. You think you're going to take my day? No way, Jose. Amen? All belongs to the Lord. And here's what we know. Here's what we know. We understand, Paul writes in Romans 14, 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. And what he's saying here is this. Don't push your opinion and your life and your blessed little Christian testimony. Don't impose that on other people. Amen? Don't, if you believe this, don't push that on them unless it's absolute, a scriptural narrative that gives you guidance. The secret to ha- happiness is count your blessing while others are adding up their troubles. So what happened to you today that tried to impede your happiness, that tried to wreck your world? What was it? could be minuscule. Most of the time, it's something that just catches you by surprise. And you know, God's standing there said, okay, I wonder how you're going to manage this. And by the way, I hope you do well about managing this because there's some stuff coming in your future that's really going to rock your world. And that's what I'm going to say Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Because there's some stuff coming according to Scripture that's going to rock our world. But we shall not be moved. Amen? Amen. True happiness comes not from having much to live on, but from having much to live for. Yeah, you won't take a picture of that, I'm sure. True happiness comes not from having much to live on, but from having much to live for. And who do you get to choose that you live for? Jesus, your family, your church. I get to live those and make the impact for them. Finally, look out for the lion. Look out for the lion. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. I read today the latest report worldwide. One billion babies aborted or slaughtered. And you think for a moment that God's going to sit on his throne But what a judgment day is not coming. 
that will say, now I'm going to call you into the judgment room. No way that's going to be missed. Unbelievable. God says, the truth, the enemy cannot touch you. He cannot impede your happiness. He cannot create loneliness to captivate you. He cannot ruin you. He cannot give you a bad attitude. He cannot cause you to wake up on the wrong side of the bed unless you give him permission. And listen, when you lose yourself and you give yourself free reign just to be short and intimidating, when that happens, you usually are hurting others. Can I get an amen out of the first five or six rows? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Here it is. How do you manage that? A happy person who knows who he is in Jesus Christ. And our text, text tells us to remain happy from the inside out. So what do we do about that? One, we use self-control and exercise discipline. Sometimes that simply means you think before you speak. You think before you speak. Why? Because you're having a bad day doesn't mean when you open your mouth, you ought to make somebody else have a bad day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert and self-controlled. Moving down. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. All action to you and to me saying, hey, here's what you do to keep that up. The next thing is be alert. First Corinthians, Paul writes 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage and be strong. Be alert. Be alert of what's around you. Be alert of the lies of the enemy. Be alert of a spirit that comes from the devil. Listen, COVID-19 is not just a physical disease, friend. It is a spiritual thing that came right out of the pit of hell. And its origin is spiritual from the devil himself. And you speak death to it in the name of Jesus. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. That's through the power of temptation. Resist the gossip. Resist the anger. Resist the hard-heartedness. Resist the resentment. Resist apathy. Resist apathy. Do you know where a healthy person ought to be? Ought to be in church. Ought to be working. Ought to be doing all the other things. Healthy. We understand that. He will come in many different, the enemy come in many different forms at us. And he might even use some of that are closest to you to ring your bell, try to clean your clock. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 
So whatever comes to rob me of my happiness, to make me lonely, to depress me, to create angst from in within me, I, I have the promise of God. If I'm careful, God will help me work through it. Don't be proud, you know. So here it is. If I can be happy, we just follow. Go for grace, 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 more grace, God's grace. Mind your own business and look out for the lion. If you do that every day, little by little by little. Now, this is a good message right here. But you know what? How many of you are as guilty as sin? May I see your hand? Including this guy right here. Sounds good to preach it. Y'all with me? Isn't that right, Tammy? Sounds good to preach it. But you know what God says? I want you to live it. So as I preach it, Lord, have mercy. You got to live it. You got to live it. Little things will just get to you. It's just the devil trying to sneak up on you. What's the first, what's the first deal? I'll, tell, I'll just give them a piece of my mind. Probably no one has ever really told them the truth. And God, I am your messenger. They're about to hear it for the first time. Their husband doesn't have the gumption to tell her. But God has spoken to me to tell her. And that works both ways. So here's what we're asked to do. Be careful. Be careful because there's probably someone right around the corner that would love to just tell you a few things. Y'all with me? Maybe you're sitting with them right now. Now, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and the love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Paybacks. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will <coughs> for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you just take that scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, go home tonight, read it. Get up in the morning and say, I'm going to add that to my devotions just for tomorrow morning. <clears throat> and read it again. And read it until you think you can behave by that guideline. Amen? And when you can... You can stop reading it because God will be pleased. Would you stand? <clears throat> Father, <coughs> we thank you tonight. We praise your name and this simple, simple elementary message tells us how to live above the fray. It tells us we don't have to be lonely. It tells us 
that we ought to have at least one friend who cares about us. We ought to at least have several others that we lean on. And that, God, we ought to be careful how we let things get to us. We ought to be careful how we let our minds wander. We ought to be careful. And, God, that when we stray, sometimes we walk off the path. That not to be too hard on ourselves, beat ourselves up. Because, God, you have the ability to forgive us and guide us. I pray you'd meet every need. I pray you'd speak to every heart online and those here in the room. I thank you, Lord, because you never fail. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us grace and more grace. And just in case there are those at home or here, we're going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness. I admit that I'm not perfect and I have failed numerous times. But I present myself in humility and say, God, once again, cleanse my heart in Jesus' name. I will serve you. I will honor you. In your name, amen. Amen. Put your hands together and let's thank God. Amen. We're going to worship one more song. Let it minister to you. We sang it already, but let it speak to your heart. And those of you online, just pay attention and let it speak to your heart. Amen. I love you, everybody. I'll see you Sunday. Please pray. Let's declare this tonight. Sing you rule, you rule the mountains, and I believe I'll see you too in the game. Thank you for joining us online or in this room. Join us back this coming Sunday. We love you guys. Have an awesome night.